You are listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, the weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Have you ever considered a career outside of statistics? Then listen well, this is an interview with Lucy Rowell. I know Lucy for quite some time and if you're a long time listener, you have heard from her already in the very, very early podcast episodes of this podcast. And today we are talking not about PSI, we are not talking about life as a statistician, it's more about life beyond being a statistician and how your expertise as a statistician can help you in job outside of statistics, still within the pharma industry, but really, really interesting career perspective from Lucy here. So stay tuned. And of course, Lucy is the chair of PSI. And so this podcast is produced in association with PSI. We have worked on the remit of PSI. And that's why I'm always talking about PSI as a community dedicated to leading and promoting the use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. And Lucy was really instrumental in creating this new remit. Join PSI today to further develop your statistical capabilities with access to the ever-growing video demand content library free registration to all PSI webinars and much, much more. If you're in a non-high-income country, the annual fee is just £20 and for high-income countries, it's just £95. So, really, really cheap. Visit the PSI website at psiweb.org to learn more about PSI activities and become a PSI member today. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Statistician. And today we have a guest here on the show that has been on the show already twice and was one of our first interview guests on the show. Hi, Lucy. How are you doing? Hi, Alexander. I'm well, thank you. How are you? Very good. And as usual, I have my co-host here. Hi, Benjamin. Hi, Alexander. Hi, Lucy. How are you? Hi, Benjamin. Good. Awesome. It's so great to talk to each other. I just, you know, got an email yesterday from a listener uh, and talking about the podcast, how it's inspiring it is, how it's helpful it is, and um, how it's, he's listening it when, when he's commuting. Oh. And it was such a great motivation to keep going <laughs> so, yeah and he also called out uh psi as a as an excellent association um and the podcast uh inspired him to attend one of the events in february this year which was he said of very very high quality and as we today have the chair of psi <laughs> here i thought that is a very very good thing to say <laughs> Yeah, that's very lovely to hear. That's really great. 
Okay, but today we are not talking about specifically PSI. We are talking about how statisticians can have an impact beyond statistics and how statisticians can also, let's say, step out of statistics in a way a little bit. So um, because Lucy has a very, very inspiring career up to now. You have started as a statistician, but then you got further responsibilities. Can you tell a little bit about that and how did this happen? Sure. So, yeah, so I spent probably about nine, ten years of my career being a statistician in clinical development, working across a number of different therapeutic areas, a whole heap of different phases of drug development. But while I was doing that, I really loved actually drug development itself and then sort of the bigger sort of broader scope of what we're trying to do as statisticians and as, as an organization. So um, quite early on in my career, I'd sort of made a decision that I wanted to take on one of these roles, which in Roche, where I work, are called a global development team leader. I think they'll be called slightly different things in different organizations, but pretty much this is a role where you are accountable and leading a cross-functional team of people um, to really define and develop what that cl clinical development program and strategy would be for a molecule. And so on those teams, there actually was a statistician. I wasn't sitting there as the statistician. I was sitting there as the leader. Um, and it contained people from regulatory, operations, clinical pharmacology, clinical science, um, a lot of other companies that I'm aware of. Usually the person who takes this type of role is somebody with a medical background. So I feel very privileged and very lucky, actually, at Roche that they're open to people from any background taking these on if, as long as you're showing you know strong leadership and a strong understanding about drug development and what that is I sort of went and did that for a couple of years so wasn't doing really a huge amount of statistics at that time um, I had some great statisticians that I worked with on those programs and then from there I sort of um, made a decision I wanted to see a different part of the organization and I actually went and did a rotation into the UK affiliate And in the UK affiliate, I was doing a sort of like hybrid role of a medical manager and a sort of brand manager, so more on the commercial side. Again, doing nothing to do with statistics. <laughs> Purely, um, that was really just trying to provide two groups like I had been leading in the past, sort of what is the impact of those development programs to a UK market? What do we need to think about in terms of data that would need to be collected if we're thinking about nice submissions etc um, what are our sort of um, key opinion leaders within the local market going to be interested etc so um, it was very external facing for the organization and was really really insightful I really really enjoyed that and then I sort of moved back into more of a sort of statistics type type of role I guess I, I now work within the data science group And in that group, everybody's got a whole range of different backgrounds, including statistics and epidemiology and other types of mathematics and computing. Um, so it's not the statistics group within Roche, but I would say it's much more related to data than where I was before. For me personally, sort of how I got there and how I was thinking about that. So I think a lot of that was driven personally by me and my motivation 
to do something a bit different. I had really great support from my manager and other people, but I think actually what was one of the most important things for me actually was the network that I built around the organization. Mm -hmm. I think if it was purely just been down to me and my manager, it would have been a bit more of a harder sort of, um, it was would have been a harder opportunity to do. So in terms of the network, you built that already while you were doing your usual stats yeah. job? Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I just made sure that when I was, you know, I mean, as a statistician, you interact with lots of different people, and I think it was just an opportunity to be curious to find out what people are doing and to bring those sort of connections and those links across different groups of like how, st how statistics and statisticians can support any of those functions within sort of drug development and beyond and the same to them so I think for me I, all, I usually build most of my networks around a case of like how can we both support each other to try and maximize what we're trying to do and then I think that sort of curious nature and that sort of opportunity of wanting to learn etc sort of resonated with people and people sort of knew you were interested and curious about things beyond what's purely just happening within the statistics framework and you know that just built up over multiple years and years of mm. of time and working on different projects if you just keep doing that your network just grows and I've often found that you know opportunities tend to not necessarily come you've still been formally interviewed and everything but Just by having those networks and understandings, I think it's quite critical to, to help you sort of think about alternate paths that you may not automatically know about within just a purely statistics framework. Mm. You already answered some of the, you know, the, the, the questions that, that was coming up next for my side, at least um, regarding, mm. um, so you, you already mentioned the networking, the curiosity to just, you know, move on and, and do things differently. So, but what other learnings would you say, um, you know, helped you from, from your role as a statistician? So where you think, you know, your career as a statistician, started mm. as a statistician, statistician, as you mentioned, but then what, what else, what else helped you? to be successful, not, not only to get into the role, mm. but be successful in that role? So I think statisticians actually are really, really well placed. Maybe I'm a bit biased. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are probably all a bit biased. <laughs> um, but I think we're really well placed because I think especially like nowadays, most companies are trying to think about data-driven decisions and how we can best utilize data to advance all types of different parts of, of research in the, in the drug development healthcare space. And that's something that just comes sort of quite naturally to us. So I think the fact that one, usually we're pretty logical, so we can think through problems in quite a sort of logical way. Secondly, that actually we're really good at taking very complex problems and hopefully trying to distill them into something very straightforward and simple. And I think that's usually one of the most critical pieces. Um, and I would encourage anyone to just keep practicing on that, that skill set, particularly because even if wherever you go, you're always going to have a huge amount of information that you're going to have to condense to something very, very short and sweet to be able to communicate to people to get them um, sort of on board with your ideas and your thinking. So. Um, I think that for us as a sort of group of statisticians it is, is a skill set that um, 
we can really, really leverage more. And then I think yeah, and that is and and being aware about that is I think mm. also really important because quickly we take that for granted very very often. Yeah, we yeah. do, we do. And then I think the other things is just around. I think usually statisticians actually have quite a lot of integrity. Like we really want to make sure that what we're doing with analyses and insights and messaging, etc you know, is really spot on. I mean, sometimes we can be maybe a little bit too particular about that. But, you know, yep. I think integrity is something that's really, really important in any sort of business group, department, job that you're doing. And I think that's one thing that, again, I think is sort of innate to the nature of sort of what we're doing. So they'd be the key things I would probably say. Hmm. And on and on the other hand, so when you say that this had you in your new role, what things did you then need to learn in your new role? So what do you think? I mean, obviously there, yeah. there are different topics, but it's just yeah. like from the from the mindset, maybe also from the from the structural um, questions on that. Yeah. So I think one thing I would say is always keep learning. I don't think it's, yeah, and maybe that's also this side of a good leader is that people are always wanting to learn and find out new things, and I, and I think that that's probably one thing that was that's key. You never, you always think, oh, I feel like I know a lot. I know a lot about this topic. I'm a bit of an expert, and then you soon realise that you get thrown into a situation. You realise that's not really. I think for me there was a couple of things. I think one area was really trying to make sure I was always thinking big picture what is happening, what is going on, um, when you're thinking about decisions that need to be made. And, and I think this can apply wherever you are in your career and whatever type of role that you're in, um, making sure you're really clear of like where it is as a company, out as a molecule, et cetera, of, of where you're trying to go and sort of keep that in mind. So, Do you have an example for that where this big picture thinking helped you <laughs> so i did i did i've got a couple of examples but um so yeah i'll go uh, an example i'll say it was helpful but it was also a huge learning i think for me so bit that comes i think for me with the big picture is what we would call um here at Roche like this portfolio mindset so some of this yep. is around you know we all have a love for our products that we work on and needing to be able to think above that and I definitely had an example where there was a project that I was leading I was one of the development leaders on and we were given this task of okay well you know the products only got a couple of years left on its pattern we were looking to see was there an opportunity through varying different processes with pediatrics to be able to add an extra six months of exclusivity onto that pattern And so we'd been tasked as a development team to think about, okay, one, would there be a pediatric indication we could go into? And then secondly, would we be able to run the trial and then get the regulatory approval and everything passed through to get this expansion? And so the team worked really, really, really hard to figure out, like, could we do this? And we came up with a couple of different options of potentially how that could work. As the leader and as somebody then who had to go and sort of present that back to sort of some of the governing bodies with the, the money, <laughs> um, I actually made the decision that we shouldn't move forward, that we did have some options, 
but they were really, really high risk, I personally felt. Um, from the experiences that we have had more broadly going into it, disease areas that we don't know very well, usually we always overestimate recruitment. We always yeah. do. Mm. So, so actually, though the team was super, super passionate about, like, yes, we, we, we found a solution, we found a way. As the leader, I had to sort of tone that down and then go in and say, actually, we have these options. But I don't think this is what we should do. I don't think this is actually the right path. I think you would be better spending your money somewhere else than on this molecule and on this on this this process, this sort of plan. You know, actually, the decision went with what my recommendation was. We didn't move ahead. Um, but that was really, really tough. And it was really, really upsetting for the team because they'd been working really, really hard to get this all done. And, you know, they, they were really passionate about the project and the molecule. But for me, it came down to, I was also passionate about the molecule, but I had a really great like um, leader of the biometrics group for many, many years who I worked with. And he was always like, always think like, this is your money. This is your business. What would you do? And so with that mindset, I was like, this is not where I would spend my money. I would put this into another molecule, another project that's probably got a much higher chance of success. That for me was like a big learning, but it's something I still do. I still always try and make sure that we have that broader view in mind of like just because I work on one molecule or whatever that may be, that I'm not only thinking about that, that the money still, if I take it, is not being used somewhere else or the resources or the people, etc. But it's it's a tough one, and there was certainly a lot of learning from myself of like how to handle that type of situation as a leader. Yeah, that leads us to a little bit of to the topic of the leadership itself. So, mm. I mean, you mentioned you mentioned the um, leadership in many in many ways already, uh, directly or indirectly. So, like also the comparison from from being a statistician. Or we talk about this in our podcast quite often about mm. leadership, and but also now you had examples where you think this is a leadership that doesn't really, um, you know, you you haven't learned from from being a statistician really. So, what does it then actually mean for you personally, leadership? <laughs> yeah so I think there's a few different things so I, I definitely I guess maybe just to caveat at the beginning and I don't think I maybe explained this when I was talking just quickly through myself so I guess I would I definitely think leadership has got nothing to do with management so that's one thing I'll yeah. maybe state right up at the front um, I've actually my 18 years the in September this year I've been working for 18 years in the pharma industry and only 16 of those 16 of those were as an individual contributor only the last couple of years have I actually done any management so all of these roles I've been speaking about have all been done with no management responsibility at all they've all been matrix management but it was all done as an individual contributor and so I feel really passionate that leadership does come at any level and through anybody it isn't automatically associated with being managed yeah absolutely <laughs> Absolutely. It's it's kind of the typical leadership set that we as statisticians are working on anyway all the time. Mm. Um, because you can't 
tell your physician what to do. You can't tell your regulatory uh, person what to do. You can't tell your clinical operations people what to do or or, all the other cross-functional things. And it's the same way, you know, the other way. So, so your physician can't tell you how to design the study or, you know, what's the sample size should be. Or maybe that's an exception, but, <laughs> but, but anyway, there's always, you need to have these, you know, cross-functional influencing skills. And, and if, if you yeah, as a listener have a problem with these word leadership, yeah, just think about getting the other one to buy into ideas. And and, yeah. um, mm. and and creating a situation where everybody works together in an aligned way, that is leadership. Yeah, but, but I would I would still I would still just go back to the to the sense that you just mentioned, uh, Lucy, that uh, management doesn't have anything to do with leadership because I I would say management is just a subset of leadership. So yeah. I mean, for you know, it's not a it's not an equivalent, but it's definitely uh, for management you still need leadership. So oh, completely agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think for me, like a lot of leadership comes down to that ability to be able to sort of inspire, bring people together, somebody who's really good at being able to listen and listen to lots of different diverse viewpoints, not just come in with a, this is what I'm going to say and do. But then once, you know, you've been able to listen and to sort of bring in and, and hear those different viewpoints, that you actually can make a decision. <laughs> you can actually come to a sort of a, a thought of what you need to do and then actually be able to c- communicate really clearly of why, um, especially if there are diverse viewpoints around the room and people are thinking slightly different things. I think you need to be able to really clearly explain that. But then at the same time, I think you need to have built a lot of trust within the team. And to that, to the point like Alexander was saying, really that, that feeling of, the team know you've got their back or at least that you know they understand why you're going with a certain situation in a certain position um, and that you're going to be able to influence um, I think influencing is so important as you get into these types of, of roles whether it's influencing at your own level or influencing stakeholders above or below where you are and a lot of that obviously comes down to the communication and being able to to do that in many different ways, depending on different people's styles, etc. And then finally, so if we talk about influencing, there's a, there's a fine line to manipulating people. <laughs> how, how do you think about that? Because I think for for some people, influencing might be might have some negative connotations. Actually, yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I think I think it can. I mean, I think. Influencing for me, you have to go in in some ways, but open to being influenced yourself. So I think this is the point. It's not that when you're influencing, you just have to come back with, I did the right thing. I've influenced. I've made somebody change their mind. I think you also need to be willing to say, okay, actually, I might come back with a different thing because I've been influenced to change my mind. So I think you have to sort of be able, and I think that's then when it's not the manipulation to be able to do that and then again being able to understand why potentially you've been influenced and why you've changed your mind. Um, I think for me when I think about influencing it's actually just making sure that 
people have really understood what you're saying and really have all the information that they can have to make a decision. So I think usually when we think about influencing, it's usually you're trying to get someone to sort of either make the decision you want or that, you know, you're trying to get them to do something or, or think about something in a certain way. So for me, I always think people can still be really successful with influencing as, as long as they've made sure that the person that they're sort of talking to or communicating with has really understood your perspective and your issues. And if they don't make that decision, then that's that's fine. Obviously, you would like for that to be the case, but um, I, I think you need to be sort of flexible to what that looks like. That That's my own personal take on it. I, I think there's the integrity that you mentioned mm. earlier comes into place. So, so yep. if people think you have a good character, you have everything, you know, in mind of the team, it's not kind of your personal interests mm. that you're mainly looking after, You're looking after the team, you're looking after the company, the organization to drive that forward. Uh, and you have built that trust and, and then, it, you know, by design, so to say, mm. it's not manipulating. It's, yeah. it's driving uh, the team forward to achieve something, to achieve a common goal. You're influencing in such a way that everybody gets hurt, that you make the best decision possible with the, with the information that you have yeah. and that you decisively move forward. Yeah, it's, it's basically the, the driving forward by facts and not by mm. an opinion. Mm. I yeah. would say emotions still play a big, <laughs> well, big you can't, role in it. Yeah, you can't <laughs> cut them out. It's just that the, the nature of a statistician is rather based on facts, I would say, than on, on the um, purely emotions. And that's why I think that's a really good skill set that we yeah. usually bring in with um, you know, influencing uh, more by facts than just by, by some... Yeah, I would really agree with that, Benjamin. And I, not, I'm actually thinking of an example that's not mine, actually. It was somebody else's. But, you know, again, because with things like interim analyses and go-no-go no go decisions and a number of – just remember this one example where everybody from the stats team was like, this is blatantly not working. But clinical and others just really, really felt very passionate, very strongly – um, kept it going and yeah three years mm -hmm. later it failed it was yeah it was just down to other people being like really yeah. really passionate and not being able to take that mindset of okay let's just be a little bit sometimes black and white about what's actually yeah. happening and especially interim yes. analysis are quite easy easy things because it's a really like a like a clear yes no it should be a really clear <laughs> yes no decision but obviously yeah yeah but that is you know where being right is not not good enough yeah, yeah so, so um if they complete that's function thinks they're right and they are actually right if they can't convince the others to follow them if they um can't communicate it in such a way that the others can understand it if they don't have the relationship with the others so that they get listened to then they can have all the logic and all the facts on their side, they still will not be able to bring the organization on the right path. So, yeah. so in terms of um, your career, you have, when you took the leap outside mm -hmm. of stats, how did that feel for you? <laughs> 
Yeah, so it was a really interesting time. I'm always very brutally honest about this, actually, <laughs> which is, is maybe sometimes not the best thing. But um, so it was one of those really interesting things where I felt oh, I was really prepared for this. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. Off I go. I'm going to get on this new role. It's going to be great. And I was really, really surprised at how scared, nervous, just unsure of myself, I think, really, which is really sort of strange because at the time I'd been working on a bigger project and I'd sort of been backing up for people. So I'd sort of got some experience of what to do, but suddenly when everything was on your shoulders, it just felt such a different, a different situation. Um, I mean, in terms of the physical moving out of the bio, like moving out of biostats, I actually, I sort of still had biostats was still my home. I was doing the role from from still being in statistics. I just was obviously doing those statistics. It was just um, a completely different type of activity. But so in that sense, it didn't necessarily feel that different. And I mean, for me, I, I love meeting new people and I love trying new things. So that wasn't the daunting bit. I think the daunting bit was sort of moving from something I knew really really well and felt like I understood something that there was a huge amount of responsibility on your shoulders and um, just making sure you were doing the right thing and I was really lucky actually Rosh did give me a coat quite early on and and he was brilliant and I still go back to a lot of the things that he sort of taught me and and, and like made me think about um, and I would definitely be I'm a huge advocate for anybody to get a coach or a mentor, particularly someone you don't know, somebody sort of um, in a, either a different area completely or a, um, an, a sort of independent person or somebody that you trust that you can be very sort of open with and who can sort of bring a different viewpoint to sort of what what's happening. Um, but yeah, it really, really surprised me. And so I know for other people who've taken on sort of similar roles or done other things, um, I've always, as I say, been fairly transparent to say it, it could be a bit of a shock to the system and don't worry about that. And you have to sort of eventually you'll come around to having faith in, in your abilities and knowing that you'll you'll get through it. But um, yeah, it was it was completely different to what I expected. <laughs> yeah, and just, you know, just yesterday in my calendar was a really nice quote regarding that feeling. Uh, more often than not, being brave means doing it scared. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> that comes really, really uh, timely. That's perfect, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I think that is always want to, if you want to grow, you need to kind of step out of your comfort zone and that always means, by by definition, it feels uncomfortable. Mm. It feels scary, um, but that's where you where you can grow, where you can yeah. you know develop yourself, where you find new confidence in yourself, where you can try out new things. And um, yeah, of course, there will probably be failures from time to time uh, and and setbacks. Did you have these as well? <laughs> plenty <laughs> um, I mean yeah there, there definitely there, there was I mean I don't think there was necessarily like from the project side of things but certainly in terms of learning and, and development and I, 
I think there was many things that I, I think I took for granted a little bit actually how different people are. And I think that's one thing now as a leader, I always try to make sure I really understand the people on my team, what drives them, what motivates them. Um, I think I may have even shared it with you, Alexander, when I became a manager, I was extra sensitive to this. And so I sort of put, had this like getting to know you questions that I make sure I always go through with people to sort of really find out what their drivers. And I think when I started, I was a little bit naive I always thought yeah you want diversity and people like different styles and things but I think I actually kept my style probably fairly sort of um, similar and I sort of quickly realized that that was not going to work um, and you really really need to be able to adapt your sort of leadership style and how you work with different people to get the best out of the group as a whole so I think that was sort of one major sort of failing in terms of I think it probably held us back for a little while because of that but then I think it was a helpful sort of growth area for me to be able to sort of go all right okay how do I do that and I think that's actually even more important not just for the group that you're working with but for the stakeholders and others that you're having to manage up because I think when you go back to things like influencing, if you don't really understand how their style and how their way of thinking works, you're just going in with a standard sort of like, oh, this is this is how I'm going to approach this either this problem or how I'm going to approach um, this topic. Then you have an example for that. Example for this kind of differing styles. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's. I mean, I think. I'll do a super basic one and then I'll maybe go into something more of the time. So I think some of the, the super basic ones is I've worked with people who don't like any chit chat and they find that that gets them really sort of, it's like my time is precious. I don't want to be asking about how's the weekend, how's this going? They just want you to come in. Here's my question. Bang, 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 bang. Off you go. You're out within 10 minutes and you're done. And some senior leaders, I found that that's how their style has been. And then for others, if you try that, and that isn't my style at all, I'm much more in the how are you doing, how's things going, um, but then other people need that. And if you don't do it, they feel like you're not interested, you're, you're not engaged, you don't care about them. I think that's like one really simple one about how sometimes different people think about things in slightly different ways. I think in terms of some of bigger ideas, there's actually things more to do with our people um reflectors or not so for some people do you really need to and visually do you need to give things more in a visual format and an advance so that they've got plenty of time to think it through and absorb it so that when you go in they've already they already know what they're sort of thinking about and they've got their questions and they can have a dialogue whereas other people it's just a case of no I just need a list of facts and I just want you to I don't have time to read anything, just come in and tell me what it is. But if you go to the first type of person in the second solution of, okay, well, I'm not going to give you any pre-read and I'm not going to give you visual stuff. It's just going to be bullet points of fact. Then for them, it, it, they just sort of block out immediately. Mm -hmm. So I think there's just those are just like a couple of more straightforward ones of understanding how people make decisions and sort of, how their mind works can really help make you much more successful or not 
And you'll only find that out from having conversations. And that's where I guess I go back to things like the networking and understanding in advance how people work then can make you much more successful later on. Hmm. Yeah, you, <clears throat> we talked a lot, lot about your experience and your, um, you know, things that you did in your career. But okay. just now, um, you know, that, that we know that many of statisticians are listening to us. So what would you give as a kind of a short uh, recommendation as a way, like, first of all, like, is there a good time point maybe to switch career? Is there some recommendation? I mean, we don't want anyone to switch careers. We need statisticians. So it's just, just as a matter of fact. And also, so what would be the, the key things to, to give them you know on their way if they decide to do so yeah so i would say the timing i think is so individual of like what would work for you and, and when so I, i think you know you need to make sure that if you're wanting to move you know you do that at the time you feel that that's comfortable i am certainly a huge advocate of people moving around even if you eventually come back to statistics i think what you can learn and what you can bring back to your sort of statistics function and to yourselves by learning other parts of an organization, I think is, is huge. So I is certainly am a, a big advocate. And if there's anyone who's listening online, who's interested or curious or wants to know more, I'm a hundred percent open to people reaching out to me and getting in touch, having a chat about anything. I think it's like a, for me personally, I think it's like a really, really great asset for people to have that experience. So I think when they do it, it, it I think it, it comes down to them. I think one thing I learned that I would say is actually, if you're interested in moving outside is actually let people know I think this actually was one thing I was quite naive to at the beginning is that I think I thought I told my manager and my manager will sort of help me figure this out and, and they, they absolutely did but it wasn't until I started telling other people around the organization that I was interested because they then said to me oh, I was surprised I didn't even realize you were bothered about doing anything like this And again, you know, as, as they network and as they're talking, they could be like, oh, oh, I spoke to so-and-so. They were interested in doing something like this. So I think one thing I always recommend to people is whatever it may be, just let people know. Don't be too shy or embarrassed to sort of tell people where your interests lie and what you could be curious to, to do. Um, it doesn't all have to come down to you and sort of you and your manager, so to speak. I think the other thing I would I would say is that um, again it's the network so just keep meeting people and talking to people and and finding out about things because I think also you don't necessarily always know what's going on that could be of interest so if you feel like you would like to do something or try something different just talk to a whole range of different people you'll probably find out there's like tens of jobs that you would be really well suited for that you never even knew existed, whether that be in your company or somewhere else. So um, just be really open. And then the, the last thing really with that is the curiosity. I would just say, just be curious all the time to what's going on, whether that's within statistics or outside of statistics, because I think that curiosity will hopefully drive you and, and keep you sort of, always doing something that's interesting and motivating you in your sort of career and mm. for most of us we're going to be in a job for a long time 
something that we love. Yeah, curiosity is really driving the motivation. So that's that's really key. No, I agree on that one. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, very good. I think we talked about a lot of lot of different things today. And, and as we are now at the end talking about the network, we are really coming back to the beginnings that, you know, where statisticians can build our network um, across the organization. We have lots of lots of natural counterparts uh, outside of statistics that we talk to where we can learn about the bigger picture of things we can through our day job as statisticians, um, improve our leadership skills, which will help us um, to grow within statistics, but but also outside of statistics. Yeah. And lots of these skill sets that we talked about uh, today that helped you to succeed outside of statistics will also help you to succeed within statistics. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And having this, for example, this big picture mindset uh, says that, you know, okay, what is really important here is, am I working on the, on the right things in the projects? Um, or is that project even, you know, should it be stopped, killed for, um, to save the budget, the resources for, for other projects? I think that was a very, very nice example of, of big picture thinking. And, yeah, I think that shows that we are not bound to. Oops. What happened now? You're back. You're on. No, he doesn't realize. Ah, no, no, I'm back. I don't know. <laughs> My computer blacked out. <laughs> And that's funny, Alexander, because I said at the beginning I was worried mine was going to do that. You was like, "Don't worry, don't worry, yours will be fine." <laughs> <laughs> no, my my computer just went into sleep mode for for whatever reason. Ah. Even the, the Hopefully, I haven't bored is... it too much. <laughs> now the telephone is ringing in the background. <laughs> so like uh, things can be cra go crazy. Hey, this is so, live. Yeah, that's live. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay, to sum it up for, for, for the listeners, I, I think there's, um, there are a lot of things that we can um, learn as statisticians that will help us be successful outside of statistics. And if we have the mindset that we want to create great products for, our, uh, for patients to help them live healthier, longer lives, then... There are lots of opportunities to do that outside of statistics as well. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, um, yeah, become an effective statistician. And maybe at some point you can leverage all your statistical knowledge as well as your leadership's knowledge outside of statistics. Lucy, any final thoughts on that? Um, no, just go and have fun. That's actually a very, very nice final thought. <laughs> I mean, okay. it's your career. It's your life. You make it what you want to be. Just have fun as you do it. And then all will be right. Thanks so much, Lucy. Thanks, Lucy. Thanks, guys. This show was created in association with PSI. Thanks to Rain, who helps with the show in the background, and thank you for listening. 
Head over to theeffectivestatistician.com to find the show notes, subscribe to the email list and learn more about our podcast to boost your career as a statistician in the health sector. And if you like these discussions, tell your colleagues about it because they may like it too. Reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician. <laughs>